Ooh, I pressed the right buttons, I think. It looks like we are live. Good morning, everybody. I am the host today of Reinventing the Tattoos, Tattoo Weekly. I will be streaming out solo today um, from Appleton, Wisconsin. There's actually a lot going on today and tonight. We have Andre Malcolm will be with us for the Monday night exercises. Coming up in about 10 minutes, I will be bringing in our guest for today, Ben Shaw. For those of you unfamiliar with Ben, he's been active in the New Mexico scene for a very long time and has been tattooing for more than 22 years. The today, the topic of discussion will involve the current state of regulation in the United States. We'll take some time to discuss the different organizations and their response to the new bill that was signed into law in December, officially regulating tattoo products by the FDA. But again, good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining me today for episode 59 of the Tattoo Weekly. I know it's been a while since you've seen my face, so I'm excited to kind of be here. Um, a little nervous, uh, lots of stuff to deep dive into. Make sure you guys let us know that these streams are working by tagging a friend in the chat or leaving me a comment. I see that some of you have. Caroline, good morning. Selena, good morning. Uh, Mark at Needlejig, good morning. I'm happy that you guys are here. While I test out some of these streams, I'm going to take a few minutes and talk about the network that we are on, uh, Reinventing the Tattoo. Reinventing the Tattoo has evolved into a quality network of live and on-demand tattoo and art shows that are happening almost every day. You can find our content in either app stores, Apple or Google, all major podcast directories like Apple and Spotify, and on our YouTube and Roku channels. Just search for Reinventing the Tattoo and you'll find it, all of it. No matter where you're watching, live or on demand, all of our latest information and streams can be found by going to our website at reinventingthetattoo.com. Once you get there, you'll find our event schedule with full weekly and special event details. We have links with 13 channels that are streaming 24 seven, along with professional development courses from more than 20 world-class tattooers. So right now we're fresh off of another live stream led by James Wisdom. It's called Drawing for Tattooers and is every Monday at 9 a.m. You can set it up uh, reminders for those classes in our YouTube channel. If any of you caught today's class, just let me know what you thought of it or want to see more of NetWeeks next, next week, and I will relay that to James. Coming up this evening is Robbie Rapol's Let's Talk About Feelings at 5 p.m., followed by our reinventing Monday night exercises. Like I said, tonight will be led by Andre Malcolm. It's free to the public, and if you'd like more information, just go to our website on how to join. For those of you just hearing about our Monday night exercises, it's actually a great hub for artists who are focused on learning, developing their skill set, and being with other like-minded artists. Not only artists, but shops and studios as well. Monday night is always art night for us, and um, we'd love to see you there. Tomorrow morning, we have Ricardo Sturdivant's drawing group, Tuesday Feels at 10 a.m. Next up, Wednesdays at noon, is a Tattoo Now Business Roundtable class led by Gabe Ripley. This class I'm involved in has been a really good experience for me uh, personally. We meet uh, once a week with a group of artists. If you'd like to join that for more information, go to tattoonowbusinessroundtable.com. Next up on Thursday evenings at six is Tattoo Collecting 101 with uh, Fawn Baker, Ben Thomas, and Kyle Bernstein. They're streaming out from True Tattoo Supply in Columbus, Ohio. Sundays are for building skills. So we encourage you to be um, active and bring something that you're working on or have questions about and join Jason Leeser at 1 p.m. Yesterday's conversation was pretty cool. We'll drop some links below, but um, Jason and Seth Mashrush had some pretty good stuff to talk about. All right, so this is a live show. I love reminding you that because I like to hear from you in the comments, especially because Gabe isn't here today with me. Um, he's traveling and will be back next week. If you guys have something that you want to talk about, I'll keep the chat open and I'm getting better about actually checking your comments. We will be setting some time aside towards the end for Q&A with Ben and myself. So, um, 
If you have something in mind, just drop a comment in the chat and we'll try to get it answered towards the end. So again, thanks everybody for tuning in and um, let's go ahead and get started. <clears throat> so uh, if you were watching last week too, some of the events that we had, Renee Little's monthly art jam was pretty dope. They talked about apprentices and had some pretty good conversation for a couple of hours. Also last Tuesday, we took a deep dive into a conversation with Ricardo Sertamont about AI and heard from Josh Short on Tattoo Collecting 101. All great streams and they're right there in our YouTube channel. Also today, I wanted to mention just something <clears throat> that happened and I wanna send my love and condolences down to Christine at Antone's Inc. Uh, Tony DeCoste was um, passed away uh, last week and a lot of us know him. I know Ben is familiar with him about his involvement in the New Mexico tattoo scene. So probably bring on Ben and talk a little bit about Tony. Um, sad to see him go for sure. But other than that, I think now would be a good time for me to bring in our guest today, Ben. I've got him on the line now. All right, Ben, um, I'm gonna have you go ahead and start your video. Right on. Good to see you. Hello. Likewise, thank you, Lauren. So Ben, I have um, had the chance to meet you in person um, just recently, I guess not in person, in digital form, <laughs> just recently. So and I know a lot of other people are just meeting you or I've been following you for years. Um, so for those of you new, this is Ben out of New Mexico and he's um, been tattooing for more than 22 years. Not only that, when I looked up his website, I got to find a lot of great information about you, Ben, that I wasn't totally in the know about. And I would like to touch on that. So back in 2008, I believe, am I right? Things started happening in New Mexico that you really um, became involved in. So for those of just watching, Ben, would you mind taking a little bit, you know, a couple minutes to tell us who you are, where you tattoo out of? And at the end, I'd like sure. to segue into how did you get into tattoo regulation? Of course, of course. Thank you, Lauren. Truly really appreciate uh, uh, getting to meet you and getting on here to, to do this interview. And before I do get started, I, I also want to send my condolences to the DaCosta family. Tony was a good friend and an amazing individual. This man made you feel like you were important um, to him and important to the industry. And he, he, at one point, he had every tattooer in Albuquerque, New Mexico buying from him. And the, the crazy thing is this man didn't have a single tattoo on his body. He was a truly uh, good friend and, I, and he will be missed. And um, I, I will make my best effort to be at that funeral on the 12th. Yep, uh, uh, yes, uh, about a celebration of life that they will. So if anyone wants more information, you can find it on Instagram at Antones Inc. Yes, yes, please come. Uh, so yes, in 2008, New Mexico started being regulated by the state or that was by the city, um, different, different um, city health departments. And when it started to become regulated by the state, they put us on the Barbers and Cosmetology Board. Now, there's a big difference between a barber and a cosmetologist and a tattoo artist. So after uh, several years of dealing with the frustrations of these inadequacies and, and issues, in 2013, I was appointed to the board and, and sat in as the tattoo representative. Again, it was extremely difficult to get anything done there. I uh, spent most of the time trying to explain the intricacies of tattooing to barbers and cosmetologists. So we, uh, myself and our local tattoo community felt that we needed our own board to speak for ourselves. So we rallied an organization called the Guild of Ethical Tattooists where 
around 20 different tattoo studios across Albuquerque came together <clears throat> and unified our voices to back up a bill um, labeled Senate Bill 275. Senate Bill 275 was to create the Board of Body Out Practitioners regulating tattooing, body piercing, and, and permanent cosmetics by tattoo artists, permanent cosmetic artists, and, and body piercers. And I sat on that board until 2019. We were able to, you know, rectify a lot of the inadequacies in our rules, able to streamline some of the processes, and truly helped kind of safeguard public health um, with the tattoo industry's interest in mind. So found a good uh, compromise between the two. Of course, uh, nothing is easy, and there's always uh, difficulties when, when navigating any sort of regulation, but uh, I feel like we did a really good job um, up till the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, and yeah, uh, as you mentioned, Lauren, yes, I've been tattooing for uh, 23 years now and own a tattoo studio called Archetype Tattoo in Albuquerque, New Mexico. have an amazing crew. Um, and then, yeah, father and, and, and husband and all those good uh, details. The important things. Yeah, I was reading a little bit about that bill that you're talking about, Senate Bill 275, and that was in 2008, correct? Uh, 2015. Uh, the Body Art Practice uh, yeah, Practice Act. That was the statute, which sure. is something similar to what we could talk about for the, the country here in a little bit, was the statute that was put into place for body art in New Mexico. Uh, the Board of body, body Art Practitioners was the board that promulgated or created rules based off of that statute. Okay. Yeah, that I was curious about because I saw that and read about your involvement with a, a particular senator. And how did that, how did you meet? I didn't see the details and I wanted to ask you, how did you meet that senator? Uh, Senator Jacob Candelaria was a very just open, awesome human being. And uh, now, um, I don't even know her title now, Secretary of State or uh, uh, Deborah Holland. She's in the White House. She was a, a friend and an ally during that period and, and uh, helped introduce me to Jacob. And through sharing with Jacob what's going on, he obviously felt compelled to help sponsor the bill. And you do need a a legislator to help create um, law. So he was the one that, again, sponsored, uh, went through the bill writing process. And then when we went to the uh, roundhouse during our legislative session in 2015, he was the one that would propose it and then allow me to speak about it. <clears throat> okay, great person. So, your, so your background includes, aside from tattooing, speaking in, how, how, did, how did, can you explain or paint a picture for me what speaking in front of uh, legislation would look like? Uh, yeah, uh, so I guess uh, from the micro to the macro, how we create a law is we have a bill that's proposed during a legislative session. That session then is a time for that bill to go through different committees on different sides of the legislation, the Senate and House of Reps. Um, there's one state, Nebraska, that's a little bit different. Within each of these houses, they have individual committees that each bill has to go in front of, and then the bill is introduced to them, and then each one of the committee members then asks questions and then votes upon that bill. And depending on how that bill does, if it passes, then it'll go on to another committee. If it does not pass, then it dies, and then it's done for that year. Uh, so during the 2015 session, we started off in the Senate because Senator Jacob Candelaria was a senator, and we started a health committee, and we were able to pass. It was a very interesting committee because during this time, tattooing wasn't very, I mean, it, it still was growing, but it wasn't a huge um, item in people's awareness, especially in New Mexico. If anything, I heard rumors that senators were like, oh, who's going to 
why do they all need their own board? They're not that big or that it's not that important. Mm -hmm. So utilizing some uh, public speaking skills and Toastmasters, which I'd love to share too, that's a great organization, I uh, used shock and awe. So I created a um, uh, an interesting selection of uh, unprofessional tattoos that had um, become infected and then shared them with them. So basically when the, the bailiff slid them in front of them, I started off by introducing that there's potential dangers if we do not monitor tattooing because it, it, it is a... Um, you know, it was a flesh wound and had them turn over the, the pictures, which definitely got their attention, needless to say. And we passed through that committee virtually unopposed. And honestly, we passed through both the Senate and House of Representatives virtually unopposed because there was a common sense need to have professionals in the industry monitor and, and guide its industry. Um, and when we did get to the so once a once a bill goes through all the committees on a Senate side, and is voted upon all the committees on the house of representatives side is voted upon it'll go to the governor and at that point you can't talk to the governor you can't share any information with them they have to make their own educated decision from their own sources but you can call in support and so through utilization of the guild of ethical tattooists our clients our spheres of influence our tattoo community in albuquerque and new mexico as a whole we bombarded the governor's office to the point where well, I got a phone call uh, six weeks later from the secretary saying, Mr. Shaw, the governor has signed your bill. Please stop having your people call. So uh, and I thought that was success. funny. I read, I read an article about that. Yeah. But it's, it's oh, interesting yeah, yeah. Um, with that type of overhaul. And it kind of rang to mind when I was speaking to a friend. Um, he owns a business called Chubby Gorilla and they make vape, vape bottles. And he said that they encountered some similar issues in 2016 when something was signed into law unbeknownst essentially to, to many of them, making their products illegal. And they that's one of the things that they definitely did. And they utilized a whole network of people to do something like that. So it's cool to see how effective it was in the state of New Mexico. Honestly, is is the only way to really get change because I could have talked to all this blue in my face with all the great stats and facts, but just one person, it was when they asked if there was support in the committee and a group of people stood up, that's what changed their mind. That's what made the difference. Okay. And so since then, that was in 2015, how long did a process like that take? Uh, once once you started with the committees and getting it through the committees and mm -hmm. stuff like that? Uh, it was it was signed. Uh, uh, so it ended in March by May of 2015. Wow. It was signed into law. And then July, we had our first meeting, which I was appointed to, and then voted the chairman for. So by the end of uh, 2015, we were already active and, and working to improve our regulations. Okay, so you spent four years on the board. What what type of stuff were you doing? I'm just curious. Um, what was? Oh yeah, um, you know, really, it was trying to ensure that the health inspectors really knew how to inspect a tattoo studio and to not be um, overregulating, uh, but also keeping some some minor, uh, you know, uh, some basic regulations there. And honestly, the, the tattoo artists weren't a huge issue in New Mexico um, or the permanent cosmetic practitioners. It was a, a lot of time and energy integrating permanent cosmetics into the realm because of the, the, the kind of dynamic difference they have in the sense of their tattoo artists and the tattoo in the face uh, and, you know, some very dangerous areas that they need to be aware of. But they also come from the cosmetic realm. And their, their means of training is a lot shorter than ours, even though it's very similar in the practices. So I know that was a lot of, of work right there, which is kind of integrating them into, um, into our board. 
But from there, it's just navigating also um, helping people become licensed to become compliant. Because as we all know, the tattoo industry doesn't come from some sort of, you know, standardized education. Each tattoo artist is, regu- uh, is uh, educated in their own individual apprenticeships, which yeah. can be very subjective in their eff- efficacy. And, you know, trying to help people come from out of state into the into our state and get them licensed. Again, each individual state's regulated differently. So it's it's trying to to navigate, you know, what what credentials they have so that way they can come and work professionally. Um, and then navigating also when people have issues. I mean, no matter what, there's there's a lot of us who are professional and treat this very, um, you know, with very sacred craft with with as much ethics as we can. And then there's those who don't. And there's those that, um, you know, who don't that have to be, um, you know, paid attention to. So that way the, they can stop whatever they're doing. So there was a lot of um, compliance stuff to deal with as well. But there was always a huge difference. And I always want to kind of uh, share this because being involved with the board, I've been labeled the tattoo police plenty as, as if I was the state, as if I was the issuing the licenses, as if I was the one that was you know, dropping the hammer. Um, no, I was the representative for the body artists standing uh, basically on the front line where we were talking and working with our, our state government on ensuring that our interests were heard. And when it came to what do, what do you, what does your industry need? We were there to provide them information, not to go too far, making sure it's a, a, a decent standard. So uh, that's, that's the huge difference between the two. And even though I'm still not on the board or I've, I'm no longer on the board, I've, I've uh, retired back in 2019, I still sit on the rules committee and help um, the current board navigate some of those upcoming rules, as well as still continue to help other locals with all of their licensing hurdles from um, so, getting a license. So since this committee has been created, it means that legislation or regulations affecting body art would then be presented to you first before going to the governor? So, so there's a difference between like a statute, boom, that's like the foundation, that's a law. A law is something uh, like the Body Art Safe Practice Act or the MOCRA, which we can talk about in a little bit. That's like a, a basic set of laws. And they're sometimes quite vague. And through that vagueness, they have to take that vague statute and build rules that kind of define what those vague statutes and laws mean. Sure. So the board's whole entire purpose was to take those statutes and then dissect them and create rules to help enforce them. So um, like a simple statute for New Mexico is like the board will um, determine how a practitioner is licensed. That's pretty big, right? They could do anything at that point. So the board said, okay, well, from our years of experience, a tattoo artist should go through an apprenticeship and they should have a minimum of said shit hours and they should learn these particular details. They need to have these particular things in their education. Those are rules. And the rules can be changed within a board um, rule change hearing. Doesn't need to go all the way to the legislator. Doesn't have to go all the way to the governor. Um, it can be done through a, the rule change process. We have a board that comes together, shares all of their information with the public. They have uh, portions where they share the proposed rules. There's a public hearing where the public can share their opinions with it. And then from those board's opinions and the public opinion, they come together and vote on if that rule should then move forward. At that point, the rule is in force. Now, the one thing that's key important is a rule does not supersede a statute. The foundation cannot be um, changed with a rule. It just needs to be clarified. And I know it can be confusing at times, um, but it was uh, our job as the board to help make these vague rules or these vague laws understandable rules. 
like that. So when you have those public uh, comments, so just say, for example, how much, let's just talk about an apprenticeship and you write rules based sure. on an apprenticeship. Did you see a lot of public interest or a lot of people or backlash when those types of things were? Uh, not the not the tattoo industry because we had built where in New Mexico you require fourteen hundred hours accredited apprenticeship, which you know um, if that's spread out throughout a you know a decent amount of time per week, I mean that's anywhere from a year of solid training, and of course that's following probably a um, some time in being involved with the shop. Uh, the the elements that we had into it were very appropriate for a tattoo studio. Um, I know there have been some backlash issues where the board is discussing increasing the amount of apprenticeships a sponsor could have because the way it works is if you want to be a tattoo artist you have to find a tattoo sponsor or someone who has five plus years experience in new mexico licensed. Um, once you've identified that person you have to get in you have to go through an application process and then join into a licensed apprenticeship at that point the 1400 hours is then begun and you have to, you know, check off your hours and, and work through that process. Well, this the state is interested in potentially adding two apprentices per sponsor, um, which that's something the new board is dealing with, and they're still in the throngs of that. Uh, I know there was a big issue when the permanent cosmetic practitioners were asked to have more training uh, because their their training was a hundred hours. Right, you know, they'd spend a uh, hundred hours learning how to tattoo someone's face, and then. Uh, you know, obviously seeing on the sitting on the uh, com compliance committee or co complaint committee, I would see the, you know, the crooked eyebrows and the infected eyelids and, the, you know, the all the, the debacles that happen from lack of training and seeing that and then asking, hey, you know, like is 100 hours sufficient? And a lot of the students were like, no, I don't feel like I learned enough. So then when we tried to increase the hours and a lot of the educators got upset with that. So but again, that was um, that was uh, something particular to permanent cosmetics. Which mm -hmm. is pretty prevalent too. Um, yeah, how, oh, yeah, yeah. How no, some right. of these laws or committees or statutes kind of compare and contrast to other areas? Um, I spent a little bit of time with Caroline Evans talking about what was going on in New Jersey. Obviously, yeah. even Oregon or you know mm -hmm. Missouri. A lot of those other places have their own sort of thing. Um, are you familiar with other legislative branches across the country and how do those function? Yes. Can you explain a little bit? Of course, of course, because that was something we had to navigate um, through reciprocity. Reciprocity is when someone is trying to move, right? Move from, okay. from one place to the other. And let's just say somebody coming from Arizona who, you know, has, well, Arizona has no, little or no licensure. Um, at the point that I was on the board, they had none. Uh, I think they just required a city license to become um, operational. And so when they would come to New Mexico, they would be met with a wall of requirements. So that became an issue. And, and same thing, um, when somebody would come from, say, Pennsylvania without any regulations, it was different. Uh, somebody coming from Oregon, you know, Oregon requires tattoo schools, which was something also uh, put into place by the, the state government that the, the tattoo artist really didn't have a, a say in. Uh, but that's way different than, than Kansas, which has a state board, and I think tattooing is still regulated under the barbers and cosmetology there. Uh, yes, Caroline's active in New Jersey. Um, but then places like uh, uh, Massachusetts, they have different regulations per city. So each city has their own particular set of rules that the artists will have to navigate when they're trying to traverse those areas. Uh, and then it's even so confusing in places like Florida where they have a state statute, but then it's different per county. And I think even some places regulate 
Like they, they're, they're following both state and county, and it depends on which county and, and, and city you're in. And there's a lot of confusion there. And so there was a lot of effort in trying to bridge those gaps uh, when we were on the board, trying to reach out to different regulators and ask how they're going about regulating their uh, body art in their specific area. And that was just met with a lot of, well, confusion. Uh, recently, I even tried to call the California Board of Health and, and inquire about how they regulate tattooing in California. And the, the person I spoke to was like, oh, I, oh, I, I don't know. Let me try this number. Wait. And I get that that person and they're like, oh, uh, I don't know. Try this number. And I ended up on a, an, uh, a full voicemail box where I, I didn't learn anything. Um, so we, we've been really working diligently to try to find out everyone's regulated so that way we can all know. I mean, it's so difficult when you're trying to do a guest spot or go to a convention or even just move. And you're, again, met with a wall um, of regulation in those particular areas. I think that's probably the most relatable thing for most people either watching or anything is guest spots and convention travel. Um, it's how do you find out that information? I'm most familiar with it from hundreds of conventions where every single spot is different in California in particular. Um, I'm curious as to why or how, I guess because you know it exists and we're talking about it, but what about other body art committees in other states? Are you familiar? I know that we mentioned you know, tattoo schools and stuff, but are you familiar with other states who have these sort of committees? Sure, sure. Uh, like I was mentioning, I mean, uh, I, I know of some practitioners um, on like the Kansas Barbers and Cosmetology okay. Board. They have a similar type of setup, their own regulation and licensing department with a tattoo representative. Um, but then uh, a lot are like health departments. I know in Massachusetts, I was helping someone in East Hamptons and they have just a local health department of three uh, state officials who kind of manage uh, body art, but they ask for tattoo artists during their promulgation or, or making of rules. Um, so it's, it is each state will have their own combination of, uh, do I know if there's like a body art practitioner board in other states uh, that I don't know. And that's what we're trying to discover is exactly yeah. which states have something very similar or, or how everyone's going about it. And I'm sure they exist. And that's why we're working on that database, which I'd love to talk about in a little bit. Sure. Um, so let's move from the state of New Mexico to the United States. Um, so mm -hmm. for, for those of you watching, I know over the last 50 some episodes, I talk and talk and talk about being passionate about pigment because that's my background for the last 10 plus years, mm -hmm. pigment manufacturing. But this isn't necessarily only about pigment uh, manufacturing. So I would like to talk to you, Ben, today and for those watching about the Modernization of Cosmetic Regulation Act, what that is. Where did it come from and why are so many people coming together for more information about that? Good, good question, yeah. The MOCRA, as you just labeled out the acronym, is the law that was signed into effect December 29, 2022, where the FDA will be um, more strictly regulating all tattoo, all cosmetic product, products, right? That's uh, all cosmetic across the board from Revlon to, I mean, I don't use cosmetics, but you know what I mean? Everything that has to do with the cosmetic realm, which tattooing is under that description of. Um, they have labeled tattooing an injectable, especially tattoo pigment, an injectable cosmetic that's used to uh, promote attractiveness. And it's, uh, as they even mentioned, uh, intended to alter the appearance for more than 24 hours. So they 
they've put us in with cosmetics and they want to start paying attention to exactly um, what we're utilizing, what we're using in our products. Um, now this, as you mentioned, this isn't just about tattooings too. They put the definition of cosmetic under the Food and Drug and Cosmetic Act. It's like literally anything that can be rubbed, poured, sprinkled, sprayed on, or introduced or otherwise applied to the human body. So you're talking so about hair we, or... Yeah, oh yeah, um, green soap, lidocaine, um, saniderm, tagaderm, all the things that we're using, all the products we're using are going to become regulated on a more um, tightly scrutinized level. And the, the biggest concern, I mean, of course, we're like, oh, okay, well, hey, we want to use safe products, right? On. Like we're, we're professionals. We use stuff that's going to safeguard our client's health and have no issues. Well, there, I don't know about you, I, the, being on the board, at least in New Mexico, we didn't suffer from a lot of issues from our products. There wasn't a lot of people, you know, losing their arm from their tattoo or dying from something like that. We dealt with things more in the unprofessional with infections type things. There's no real issues with our products. The problem is uh, we didn't step up and give them information when they were trying to find out how to regulate us. Uh, because tattooing is a billion dollar industry, right? This is, this is one of the last billion dollar industries that doesn't communicate with itself, right? We're, we're a huge industry, huge entity. Uh, the IBS world poll, at least for America, I found 46% of the Americans are tattooed. You know, and 40, half that percentage. Forty-six. Forty-six percent. Wow, the last Almost time I, mean, I thought about this for a while, I was looking at much lower percentages. That's pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. Yeah, of and, and just the last three years, in just the last three years, we've seen this huge uptick. But has a lot to do, I believe, when it comes to like pandemics and things that are, are you know, um, you know, when when there's life crises, people tend to sure. get tattooed. This is one of the oldest crafts that humans have been performing, and we're not struggling with issues of our products. Um, what's happening is the government seeing that this massive, this massive uptick of something that's uh, essentially a flesh wound is, is becoming very prevalent. Well, their job is to regulate that, is to ensure public health and safety is, is paramount. Real quick, so they're I want to stop go... on that real quick. Um, when you're seeing it's, so if it's kind of, if cosmetics is kind of grouped into, you're seeing a huge uptick. And in those percentages, are you talking about um, the like cosmeticians and things like that involved in those those statistics and that why we're seeing such a high number? Practitioners. I mean, just a, a huge number of people getting tattooed. It's on television. Well, just because some of getting tattooed me and I found it really interesting is when you have, there's definitely a number of tattooers, but when you're filtering in all of these people who are also under that umbrella, it seems like it would definitely garner some attention. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't have, you know, who doesn't, who doesn't or hasn't been affected by a tattoo right now, right? And again, I don't care who you are, where you're from. At some point, your ancestors marked their flesh, right? Tattooing is, is one of the oldest crafts in humankind. And it's become something very popular, very uh, popular in the media. And it's, you know, it's becoming a very lucrative career. And so there's always going to be that, that um, balance when, okay, well, now things need to be kind of monitored and regulated. Not to mention, there are a lot of people who call for it. I mean, sitting on the board, a lot of people did complain about, um, you know, deficiencies and regulations. So I'm sure there's entities out there and groups that were asking for it. But when the government was like, okay, all right, tattooing, how are we going to regulate you? Crickets tripping, right? You know, like, uh, well, how, you know, what, what do you, what do you guys want us to do? Crickets tripping, right? There's, there was few, there was a few who stood up and and were calling out and and um, giving some information, but they weren't the majority. And when they called to the industry and said, hey, y'all, we need to do something about it. 
you know, there was a lackluster response. When you so say they called, uh, what, uh, were they just yeah, add like, like um, little links on their websites or are they actually? Right, right. Yeah, when know? there was probably no major um, um, call to action or at least put in a way that tattooers understood it. Because I get the, the earlier part of me talking about how statutes and rules are. It can be like, what are you talking about? That's confusing, right? Sometimes it can be quite um, um, uh, like a non-topic if you're talking about, oh yeah, they're talking about increasing rules about this particular thing. Oh, how's that affect me? I don't care about it, right? It, it's, it's, it wasn't put into a way that's like, hey, this, forget my language, shit is real. Like this is gonna happen and affect your livelihood. This is gonna affect how much money you make, right? This is gonna affect a lot of different things. And so <clears throat> there was just not a lot of response. So the government then has to look elsewhere. They look at, uh, you know, other parallels, or at least what they perceive as a parallel. Um, they look at other industries and how they go about regulating similar type things. And the biggest, uh, I guess, scary topic, when it comes into to play with the, the Modernization of Cosmetic Regulation Act, is they are looking to promulgate rules uh, that will, like when I say promulgate rules, make, make rules off of those statutes. Right. You know, the, the, the federal statute, they're going to make rules off of those, which we must follow and our manufacturers must follow. They're looking elsewhere because they're not getting any other opinions. So they're looking at Europe right now, too. And that's the scary thing, because Europe has become extremely overregulated with tattoo pigment, where they've I'm sure people have, uh, have heard of how the, they've banned over 4000 products that they can use in their tattooing, including the Actually, major. We should, we should stop and talk about that that this is what's happening in the United States is not what happened in Europe. What happened in Europe, and I could be wrong, but it's a recategorization. So there's so many things in terms of whether or not you get certification for a product, whereas here, what MACRA is, or MOCRA, I think it sounds like Macarena when I say it, MACRA. <laughs> uh, so what that is, is more or less like facility registration, licensing, inspections, adverse event reporting. That's what we're talking about. Um, you know, basic consumer requests, you could say as that baseline. We're not talking about banning like a phthalo blue and a phthalo green where our palettes are completely, you know, diminished, but there is a lot of room for that clarification. And what I would like to get to and what we're talking about and what we will be talking about on future episodes is who's going to answer those questions when they're asking, what type of committee. Mm -hmm. So exactly. I do want to talk exactly. about a little bit now that we've kind of discussed and introduced what MACRA is. Where and what type of voices of the industry are you seeing? I know on your Instagram page, which we can show in a little bit, you've mentioned AFTO and when the body art committee of AFTO, you've mentioned the APT, you've mentioned and work with all sorts of stuff. You have a discourse group, brand new discord. So all these things are kind of happening quickly, but I do want to kind of touch on your knowledge of some of these um, organizations and what you posted about. Um, why don't we start with your post about AFTO. Sure, sure. AFTO stands for the uh, Association of Food and Drug Officials, which is a body of professionals um, consisting of, well, the body art, uh, I'm sorry, the AFTO body art committee consists of professionals within the, within the industry that are working hand in hand with the FDA in the sense that there are some actual F, uh, ex FDA uh, inspectors that sit on that board and they are communicating what the FDA is promulgating or thinking about doing when it comes to the rules and regulations for MOCRA or MACRA. And having a basically a small organization that consists of some tattoo artists, body piercers, um, um, 
there's a there's not very many ink manufacturers, so there needs to be a representation there. But I know there's movement there, um, as well as again some other ex inspectors. And it's really sitting down and having those in depth conversations about the verbiage and, and in depth conversations about what's being proposed. <laughs> we are lucky in the sense that this happened just over a month ago, right? It just barely happened to the point where even the FDA and the members within it are still kind of like, okay, we got to start thinking about this. They, they have a year, essentially a year from now till the end of 2023 to start those rulemakings. So right now it's the preparation time. And as they're starting to prepare, they can lean on this APTO committee and get input from them. Now, as I mentioned before, individuals can voice themselves all they like right and that's good and there's going to be some good representation but it's one or two or a, a few the the biggest hurdle is okay the fda say nice that's your opinion what does your industry think what is your industry's input and that's um where the apt comes into place uh the apt Actually, is the uh, alliance one of our uh, committees i i was very interested to know and understand which i already knew but the difference between industry and trade and I was thinking along the lines of AFTO being kind of representative of industry. Am I incorrect mm -hmm. in that? And APT kind of representing trade? So um, a good good de delineation. Industry is like the, the overarching of all the, the trades put together. And then the trade itself is like us, the ones who actually do the, the, sure. the practitioner, the ones who actually do the tattooing. And yes, the as of right now, there's a lot of practitioners in the AFTO board. But again, I believe... There is a lot of movement for people to work to build a strong presence for the manufacturers in there as well. And so that would then start to get a lot of representation from many different angles. Um, but yes, the APT is the Alliance of Professional Tattooists that have been around for over, over 30 years. And they have 30 years of nonprofit status to where the government has been leaning on them when there have been issues in the past. You see, 30 years ago, tattooing was completely unregulated. Um, to the point where people weren't wearing gloves and didn't do any sort of training that was formalized other than traditional apprenticeships. And not to mention that most practitioners stayed away from any sort of government officials and, and didn't open any lines of communication. So members of the founding members of the APT found that it was paramount to have those discussions to bridge those gaps. And honestly, without the APT, we probably wouldn't have a lot of professional tattooing. They really helped you know, advocate for the tattoo industry, open those lines of communication and utilize peer pressure. And I mean, there's one thing for a government official to tell you to do something, another thing from a peer to tell you to do something, which can make a huge difference. And uh, they were, I think, instrumental in allowing a lot of places that had made tattooing illegal, legal. And back then, when the problem uh, appeared to go away, when it wasn't such a huge issue, the APT, well, you know, like like most guard dogs went to sleep a little bit, right? And so we haven't heard from them much in the past couple of decades uh, to the point where I know some of you uh, inquired about their you know, continued existence, but they do exist and they've still been silently fighting for us uh, in the background, whether we know it or not. And there are some representatives on that APTO committee who have been there to be the, the point of contact that have been informing us about the movements of MACRA and other sorts of regulations have been coming down the pipeline. Um, but again, they're uh, gotten to the point where they're down to say 300 members, which is, you know, that's not, uh, that's not representing the majority of the tattooers in the industry today. And so the Alliance of Professional Tattooing, it, uh, Tattooists is, is looking to grow again and to 
now wake back up and be the voice of the practitioner, the ones, those of us who do the trade, right? Because as we are navigating these new coming laws, we are the ones that are doing the craft. So our jobs are the ones that are the most liable in the sense of how we can engage with our clients and what we can use with them. So the APT is re revitalizing itself to get more up-to-date with current technologies, communications, and so that we can help bridge the gaps like the issues between states and regulations. Can also, when it comes time to have AFTO communicate with the FDA, they will represent, the representatives from ABT will represent the tattoo industry's practitioners. And it is that unified voice with, with a constituent base is huge um, when the FDA is making decisions on not those recommendations are valid or not. Sure. So. That word is scary, I think, to a lot of people. And I, I know that, you know, even looking on your website, I notice a lot of strong words, you know, like ethics, helmet, uh, unification. Why is that so important? Um, and I, you know, I was kind of looking up a lot of the backlash because I like to see both sides of the story. Um, and a lot of the backlash is like, we don't need tattoo police. We don't need this. We don't need that. But based on, I mean, I've been uh, um, involved in APTO. I've just became involved more with APT. I've been in ink manufacturing for a very long time. And I just, I don't know what other organization would necessarily have that credibility, that long-term standing to be able to communicate. And if so, what about that divide between unification and information? And how 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 can you proceed without any sort of backlash? Because I know, and I know we can really touch on, I can only touch because I was involved years prior, but something like CTS, the Coalition for Tattoo Safety. And we've seen, you know, pros and cons with that, but there was a lot of, you know, internal, I hate to say, just, uh, it wasn't necessarily unified. Um, so how can we take something where there's a clear separation on how people feel, like, I don't want the tattoo, please, versus what is needed and what has to happen without question. You know, and, and when you talk about having a voice, well, how would you, without that voice of the APT, how are, how would tattooists communicate? So I feel like you have to kind of sit back and say, okay, I might not like the concept of tattoo police, but how else will our voices be heard because they're looking to the APT for this voice? So I'd like to, yeah, uh, initially start with the tattoo police comment. As I mentioned before, even on the state level, when I was standing up for tattooing in our state, I was labeled the tattoo police because it's confusing. It's scary. You mentioned buzzwords and scary words, right? Yeah. When when we as tattoo artists um, uh, manipulate our day, our way through our career field, we don't use those words on a daily basis. If anything, they represent things that are going to be restrictive to us. Sure. So against that lack of understanding that they can say, oh, I don't, I don't know about that. Oh, you're, you're involved with them. You're the tattoo police. But through understanding and communicating what's really going on, they realize that they're not the tattoo. We aren't, or the APT isn't the tattoo police. They're your advocates. They're your warriors. Those are the people who are standing up for you. And the perception of regulation has changed over the generations. Now, it started 30 years ago with the APT, whereas the tattoo police and this, you know, this, this pushback on any help. But the tattoo industry has changed over time. Yeah, you have to, I'm sure anyone here has been tattooing for 20 plus years has seen the stark contrast between our peers back in the you know, day versus today. They're not so much the rough and tumble against all regulation types. Now it's more college educated, um, very professional, ethical 
individuals who are compassionate and willing to push forward for unification and professionalism because they want to see tattooing survive and thrive. I mean, it's a great craft and that we can have a great living with and eventually move forward to have better benefits and a long-term career with it. And when, when we're, when we're feeling this pushback, it's again, it's from a lack of like, well, I don't understand what's going on. And because the APT is, is a good example at not being able to share their message um, with the new modern technology, some of the perceptions have changed. But for those who are getting involved, they're starting to realize that there is a benefit to the APT. There's a benefit of coming together. I'm personally a member, a founding member of the Launchpad. The Launchpad is an amazing online discourse group um, provided by Russ Abbott's Tattoo Smart. Yeah. Now, this is a group of individuals that come together from around the world and they're vetted, meaning they just are willing to open up and have good communications. And you'd be surprised, Lauren, how many people really want to improve tattooing as a whole throughout the entire world. They're, they're individual cells in different places, but they've been fighting for regulation in their areas. There's people who have been stepping up in their individual areas, even though they may not know exactly how to do it. They're doing their part to try and help their fellow tattooers when it comes to navigating regulation. And right. it's through that I've been able to see the sparks in different places. And now with a federal bill that has, it's no longer, no longer is it like, oh, we, we got, we're going to worry about this bill, this bill. It's not a bill. It's a law. It's a law that is put in place and it's above us, right? It is right here. We're under it. it. It is now put upon us and we cannot go back underground. We cannot ignore it. We cannot move uh, um, uh, into any sort of click. The only way that we can move forward is by coming together and representing tattooing as a whole. So when the government who is trying to create these rules and laws for us can have a constituent base to look to and get their information. I don't, I don't believe our common enemy is the government. The government's just trying to do their job in general. They're just understaffed and, and not knowledgeable. They're looking for input and information. They just haven't gotten it from us because of our lack of understanding that those who are helping us out aren't the police. They're our warriors. They're the ones who are out there fighting for us. And through coming together and sharing that with them and having open lines of communication and answering those questions now in a technological age where we can talk like that is how we're going to start to realize that, okay, maybe you're not the police. Maybe you're, you're here to help me. Okay. I'm having an issue with my license. Can you help me with that? And people are willing to. The old status quo needs to go away because it's not serving us now. And I, I don't know, I'm sure we all can agree that after in a global pandemic, like where we realize that all anything could change any day, that we need to realize that our industry could be detrimentally affected. But we do have the opportunity through technology and through organizations like the APT, uh, utilizing their voice with the with APTO, and then finding other great organizations and, and discourse groups like, like Launchpad, and there's other ones that we can talk about, that we can start to have constructive communications on how we can navigate this scary new law that's coming upon us. <clears throat> and there's always going to be the APT too, in terms of, so <clears throat> Caroline, dear Caroline, she uh, sent me a message right before I was, I was going to the Philadelphia convention, and it was just a, a meeting of sorts of different minds um, and stuff like that. And I, I was just blown away. I mean, I was sitting there looking at Jack Rudy, Brian Everett, Sean Anderson, Pat Sinatra, and they're saying like, this is, this is huge. This is the largest overhaul since, I mean, anything since 1938. Um, and so if you're looking at this and you're like, well, I'm a tattooer, 
you know, the manufacturers will have to do that. The manufacturers need to have adverse event reporting. They need to have facility inspections. They need to have good labeling. But as a manufacturer, let's just take a, let's take an example of an aftercare company, um, uh, you know, wicked fast aftercare. Um, what is someone like that going to do where they're, they've got a team of artists, they've got all of this type of stuff, and then, you know, they have to register with the FDA by the end of the year. Where can they go as a hub? And it's not just them. There's tons of artists that support those companies and brands, and they don't want to see, you know, like an example in Europe, when this happened, they saw huge price hikes, you know, whereas now the price of an ounce could be $21.50 in Europe because you have to go through all of this licensing and, you know, you're submitting ingredients, whereas before you were testing bottles of finished product. It's just a whole different process. As an artist, what type of thing should we be how can we support other companies like that? Because you don't want to see, you know, a double rate for like 21 bucks or $22 an ounce of pigment here, where it's, you know, it's also a stark contrast from cosmetic pigments. We know that. But what could we expect, you know, for the manufacturers um, to do about this? Mm -hmm. Good questions. No, I mean, support is the, the word and in the sense of this and when i mentioned that there's been movement for the manufacturers to start working with afto i know that there are some major manufacturers that are looking to bring the manufacturers together and start to unify their efforts and provide resources on scientific research and data that's going to be needed when we're communicating with the fda um, they're still formulating and forming any sort of organizations and and Again, they're looking to eventually form this under AFTO. Now, personally, I've started a, you mentioned my Discord group. Uh, I started a discourse group just to have a conversation about this and it quickly became inundated with people's yeah. questions, concerns, ideas, and such. So a uh, very helpful uh, discourse member, uh, Chris, he created a Discord group for us to utilize. And this is now gonna help us kind of categorize and, um, be able to, to easily disseminate information and organize the information, whether it's from the APT, uh, the ESTP, the uh, European Society of Tattoo and Pigment, uh, AFTO, uh, NEHA, the National uh, uh, Environmental Health Association, and other organizations are going to have their own channels to be able to share their questions, their information, and we can start to have those constructive conversations. Also, and in, in this discord there'll be channels for each individual united states and in there we are filling them with their state's requirements just like we were saying having such an issue finding out what's going on in nebraska versus arkansas versus oregon well in these individual channels we'll have those regulations and uh places and links that people can utilize to find out how those areas are regulated not to mention this is also an open call for anyone who has more in-depth information into their area, meaning they have connections with a health inspector or a board administrator, or even a legislator in the area, that is a great contact that they can share in this particular channel. We're telling everyone to come to this Discord group. This is the place where we can start to have that hub to open up communications on what to do next, where to, what organization you can help the most, what efforts do your specific skill sets benefit. And uh, again, we're even calling out because I know the, the manufacturers are, are still kind of forming and organizing. We open a channel for them too, where they can come on in and mm -hmm. uh, we can start to give them any information that we're gaining and gathering so we can help direct them towards their uh, most optimal resource. And then, and then I just want to say uh, for any tattoo artist practitioner, 
and those who are truly supportive. But but look at the APT. Uh, I I I'm willing to answer any questions that I can about them. But again, these these individuals who have been holding the torch for three decades for us are truly amazing people. These are the shoulders we're standing on. They without the APT, I mean, we probably wouldn't have such such um, professional professional tattooing in the sense that it would have been illegal and we'd still be fighting about these things. We'd still be navigating whether or not we're wearing gloves, of course, being subjective. But they're, they're a great problems. group of people. Yeah, yeah, 80s problems. But but they are an amazing group of people that truly have the industry's uh, interests in mind. And most, and this is all volunteer-based. Most of them are still working 10, 12 hours a day and they've been doing it for 30 years and they do need support from the industry. And they are going to represent the voice of the practitioner, those who are on the front line. And I'm going to have links in there, but also there's a link in my bio uh, to my link tree to yep. directly to their website where you can look at membership. And uh, again, I'm willing to answer any questions people may have about them, but highly suggest all artists look to support the APT. Yes. Uh, so anyway, um, we are kind of getting close to the hour. I invited, a, or I've been speaking to a good uh an incredible asset in the industry as well. Um, Girly Tattoos, if you know her on Instagram, mm -hmm. Selena. And she's here. We're going to mm -hmm. just bring her in a little bit and have her join the conversation for, before her meeting. Um, here we go. Awesome. There is a lot of information, guys. And I know, Ben, that it's kind of put all out there. But um, yeah, a lot of stuff for us to talk to. Selena, welcome. Good to see hey, you. Selena. Hi. So awesome. Do you want to tell our viewers right now kind of a little bit quick little who you are and how um, this involves you as well, <laughs> how all of us have kind of come together? Um, well, so like Lauren, I've been involved with tattoo ink manufacturing and I have worked on some of the scientific research with world famous Perm Blend and Kirasumi. Um, they are a fantastic company and really have done their due diligence to try to make the best products that they can. And through my time there, uh, I started working with the Afto group and, but even before that I was on the board of directors for the APT and, um, Russ actually made a quick conversation to me to introduce me to Ben when I started seeing more people talking about this, it was kind of just this moment of like, we finally arrived as a community that we can start addressing some of these topics to questions that I think a lot of us have had internally. And now there seems to be change on the legislative structure here in the United States that it's really necessary for us to partner together. So um, Ben, I commend endlessly for unifying the community and kind of stepping out and really talking about this because you know, I myself, like you, Lauren, uh, we've kind of worked off in the background, but we haven't really known who's interested in trying to carry the industry forward. So it's really nice to see everybody has arrived here and we can kind of partner in like a community. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It is great to kind of pull all of these people together. And um, Selena, I'm not sure or unbeknownst, maybe I was sitting on on so many different Afto meetings where you were very active. <laughs> mm -hmm of course, um, but th those are very interesting. And a lot of the stuff that Ben is saying and that I've watched you do or anything has is really kind of coming full circle now where we're at in 2023. So um, we only have a few more minutes today, but moving forward, Ben, Selena, what can, what is your next step besides growing this Discord group, which is incredible. We'll leave um, links in the description, but what is some of the next steps that you're gonna be taking? 
Uh, so some of the next steps that we're going to be taking with the AFTO committee is holding space for manufacturers to actually come in and participate in conversation and get industry experts opinion from people that have either worked for the FDA or people that have been involved in manufacturing or other regulators or project or product product um, experts. So what I mean by a product expert is when you look at cosmetics as a whole, there's a lot of multiple types of products and you have different parts of those types of products that we use during the tattoo process. Obviously you have the tattoo inks, you have the aftercare solves, and you've got other types of num numbing products or topical agents. All of those individual products have a different level of speciality associated with them. And we have invited experts in the AFTO committee to really help the industry kind of participate as a whole, but also to make sure that manufacturers have a fair opportunity to protect their businesses and adjust and move forward while working customers, working to pay attention to our customers, like our end users, our clients and protecting them, but also to still support tattoo artists as a whole and make sure that we can still do our jobs and that we have access to safe, clean supplies and there's proper and consistent communication. AFTO takes a really great approach at providing a non-adversarial meeting place for everybody. That includes the individual practitioner, that includes the person who owns a company, and that also includes the regulator who's going to be the person in charge of enforcing what legislation is coming. Like Ben has explained, we are just at the very beginning process of the legislation. The law has been passed, but we are going to see some efforts coming from FDA where they will take public inquiry and they will be asking for feedback, not only of tattoo artists, but from the AFTO community and of the APT. So in order for people to feel like their voices are heard, they can participate in any of those channels and actually work to their strengths and provide information from their experience. The FDA has made it very clear in the legislation that a lot of forms of research will be accepted and sometimes non-traditional research. So that means if you have research or documents or records of your clients for the last 20 or 35 years that prove the safety of some of these products, now would be the time to come forward with that information. We have in industry experts who are sitting in the room who need that type of information, but we also have PhD chemists like John Swearick coming to the table who are interested in participating because they see the beauty in tattooing, and they also, too, want to work towards a safer future, but to make sure that the products are great and we have the right information to negotiate at the table. Absolutely, and I think that what you just said is a little intimidating to most, like sitting at the table with, you know, PhDs and mm -hmm. uh, professors, which is why I do like then this Discord group where you said earlier in our, our chat, it's different coming from the government than coming from a peer. And I felt yeah. really comfortable in your discourse group. Um, Selena, you've been a part of that. There's been some great conversations mm -hmm. started. I'm really excited for those of you who haven't yet found the Discord group to be there and you can feel comfortable and you can, you can really um, navigate yourself before you feel like you need to go to something like APTO or the APT. It's a great kind of hub for all that which I'm really yeah. excited about because it can be intimidating when you're it's a great mediator 
it's a great meteor because obviously we don't want anybody feeling stupid because, Hey, this is a lot of information to be taking in at one time. Like I think Ben and I joked pretty early when we first started talking about, it's almost like drinking from the fire hose. Like there's so much information coming at all different times and in spaces that you're just like, how do I even help? What do I even do? What's going on? That's why it's so important that we're talking about this and there's content out there that Ben's making that is kind of rallying the troops, so to speak, but also making sure that we're transparent and that people know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So when it comes down to the work that gets done in the AFTO group, a lot of times it's because we've talked with your, you know, industry experts, or we've asked the APT to give their opinion and what they think. Or we have other individual experts like myself who has a product safety background and I can look at individual things and help, you know, kind of keep moving the ball forward. But we also want to promote transparency, which is why it's a really good time that we start talking about this and, you know, including others because this affects all of us. Absolutely. So um, we're about to wrap up, but before we do, Ben, can you tell us about this Discord, what can you expect for someone like me, or let's just say someone who's never even heard of Discord, what to sure. do when you get there and what it's like? Um, sure, sure, sure. No, of course, of course. Uh, yes, uh, just kind of backing up what Celine said that nothing is, um, nothing's gonna happen without our community. We do need to come together and we need to learn where our subjective strengths can be most useful. And that's on our Discord group. And and I'm fairly new to a Discord too as well, but it's basically like an online, just a meeting place with different channels or tabs that have individual um, topics per uh, individual channel to, to navigate for ease and access of that information. It's there where you can go ask those dumb questions, right? You know, literally the questions that they're not, no question is dumb, but this is the place that you can ask it and we can mm-hmm. be in a friendly, welcoming, um, understanding environment to, to ensure that you're aware of what's going on. And, and I do want to say, you know, just like mentioning people getting on the table and sitting in front of the table, that you don't have to come to the table. Mm-hmm. The whole point of a Discord group or some sort of communications is for us to be able to, to disseminate and share this information with you, get your feedback, and then we can take that feedback and you can have our representation at these particular committees. Mm-hmm. It's that way tattooers can still focus on their livelihood, still tattoo and, and do their day-to-day knowing that they have people that are working for their best interests. So uh, it's it's a it's a fairly simple, once you get in there, it's a, it's a group with tabs, places to ask questions. Um, there's gonna be videos, this will be up there. There'll be live stream, qu- the interviews will be, will be growing as best we can and trying to answer uh, as much as we can. So it's gonna take a, a community, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And to find the Discord group, aside from the link in your bio, uh, how would we find something like that? Uh, currently, that's the the link that we have. Hopefully, we can put a link okay. in here. Um, and then I'm asking people to to share that that link as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to be the it, this whole thing has been a a grassroots movement. Really, that's what we're doing. This isn't something that uh, uh, somebody's putting upon us. It's something that we're doing together. So the the current link is in my my discord or i'm sorry my my discord link is in my bio that's the initial link to that take it share it with your friends and um as things grow and and go we'll be able to find more places to insert that great well awesome um we will be talking with uh john swerf next week uh we have lots of stuff we'll be crafting that interview over the next you know several days i'm excited about that um i want to say thank you to everybody watching uh let's see mark thank you caroline selena ziggy Melissa, all great um, 
Great stuff. Elizabeth said Idaho has absolutely no regulations. That's good information to know. Um, and Gabe from Tattoo Now. So thank you guys. Uh, next week, we'll have some little teasers and clips ready for you guys. If you do have questions, you can send them um, to Ben, to Selena, or management at reinventingthetattoo.com. Uh, but yeah, um, thank you everybody for watching and we will see you again next